Welcome back to Talk of the Town on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC on WHTC.com and on the WHTC app for your smartphone. Once again, here's your host, Gary Stevens. Welcome back to Talk of the Town for this Thursday, January 11th. Thursday morning, second Thursday morning of the month, we at this time present Ask the Judge, an opportunity to uh, get questions before a member of the 58th District Court or a member of the Ottawa County Prosecutor's Office, and we are joined this time around by the Chief Assistant Prosecuting Attorney for the Ottawa County Prosecutor's Office, Sarah Matwajek, on the other side of our table. Sarah, good morning. Welcome. Not bad, considering that I got the wrong microphone on. Now I got you on properly, and you'll be able, people will be able to hear you. And if you have a question for Sarah, she'll be happy to answer it at 616-395-1450. 616-395-1450. Sarah, I want to follow up on a conversation we had last Friday when we had the Holland Department of Public Safety segment and Yvette Mendoza, who uh, is the director of the uh, uh, police services, uh, victim services unit, uh, was in and talked a little bit about uh, that unit, the challenges it has, and the efforts to try to get more people to be involved, uh, and the rewards that do come along with it. Uh, this is a good time maybe to take the next step in dealing with victims and Victims of crimes, especially. Um, it seems to me like Yvette gets them, when I say Yvette, her unit gets them at the rawest time when they are just after a crime has been committed uh, or perhaps, you know, a, 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 a tough situation does occur. Your office then, the prosecutor's office, maybe takes the next step in that. Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Uh, first, I want to say that what Yvette does, I mean, she's been doing this a long time, and that group does, they are nothing short of angels. Uh, that is one of the toughest jobs I can think of. Law enforcement go in there, and like you said, this is raw. This is absolute raw emotions, and you never know really what you're going to get. But that's when victims of crime uh, or victims of trauma need that help the most. And we actually have one of our staff who volunteers to do that and has for some time. So to do that, you have to have a true passion for that, and they do such a great job, and, and they're a gift. But, yeah, so they're there in the raw moment of some terrible tragedy. Some of those then end up with criminal charges, and that's when we get involved. So after the police officers do investigations, if they believe a crime has occurred and we charge a crime, then we have an amazing department of victim advocates that take over and assist those victims throughout the uh, sometimes very confusing, always very emotional situation of going through a trial and holding somebody accountable for the tragedy that occurred within their lives. It almost seems as if this unit sort of stands with the victims to have somebody there to give them the support. Yeah, we call them our victim advocates for a reason, yeah. Um, we have uh, a team of five victim advocates that uh, handle all of our crimes involving victims, and they are there for that reason, um, a virtual handhold, sometimes an actual handhold. You know, explain things. Talk to them in terms that maybe us lawyers aren't so great at talking to them with. 
um, being able to um, really understand where they're coming from and their concerns throughout the trial process so that the attorneys can focus on getting those convictions. I'm Sarah Matwijek, by the way, I'm, I'm not going to put me back in line if I'm asking things that you don't have direct access to because you are not part of that unit. Um, but there are some aspects of it that would lead to some questions. First of all, you mentioned five persons involved. They handle all the cases or is like somebody specifically for say, uh, sexual abuse and another one for child abuse or another one for violent crime. Are there specific, uh, crimes that each one is in or do they work in the whole wide spectrum? Based on my almost 23 years in the prosecutor's office, I think I can answer just about any question you have about the office. So, yeah, part of my job as a chief assistant is to supervise that unit as well. So okay. hopefully I should be able to answer okay. those questions pretty Fine. well I just you. didn't want to put you in a, a, an awkward position. I will certainly let you know. But, okay. yeah, no. And, and just being a prosecutor, we work hand-in-hand hand with them. Um, so they're invaluable. Uh, no, unfortunately, as you can imagine, we handle every criminal case here in Ottawa County, that number is huge. It is, it's a, it's a number that's almost hard to handle. So for five of those individuals to be able to specialize is not something, unfortunately, we're able to do. That being said, one of those five specifically specializes in domestic violence. She's our domestic violence intervention officer. And for over two decades, she has, her job is to try to get to those domestic violence victims really early and go to their homes and actually reach out to them and um, let answer any questions they have and help them feel secure. Because at that point, when domestic violence is involved, you're involving loved ones, you're involving your home, your kids, everything. So for her to get to that victim right away and try to help answer those questions is invaluable. So she specializes in that area. Another one of ours is a victim advocate assistant who does a lot of the paperwork. She does specifically our juvenile victim crimes. So she specializes a little bit in area, that area. Our other three victim advocates, they handle anything that comes their way, and they do it with amazing grace. Um, we have two that are in our Grand Haven office and one that's in our Holland office, and they work very hard. One of our victim advocates does more with our child criminal sexual conduct cases. She works very closely with our uh, prosecutor who specializes in those cases. Um, I will tell you, too, that we have our canine advocate. Q is our beautiful yellow lab that everybody loves more than us. Which, we, which should be the case, yes, to be honest with you. he walks in a room and he gets all the attention. And I tell you what, he is a gift to those little kids that have to come in and testify, and generally anybody who's extremely nervous about the process. So I suppose I should say we have five and a half victim advocates. That's fine, understandable. Uh, if you got a question for uh, Ottawa County Chief Assistant Prosecuting Attorney Sarah Matwijek, 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450. We're focusing our conversation on victims' rights and dealing with victims' issues. Uh, sort of following up what our, we had last week uh, uh, with Yvette Mendoza of the Holland Department of Public Safety's uh, Victim Services Unit. Now, when I, when I mentioned the fact that there was specific, per, that could be specific uh, uh, 
people to handle it is, and you sort of alluded to it, it's a different case when you're dealing with a domestic violence situation and a child violence situation because to a certain extent, the victims involved many times, they don't want to press charges. They don't want to endanger the relationship they have with the accused because, yeah, the accused might have done something to them, but it's still their husband, their boyfriend, their dad, their mom, their wife. You know, it, it, there's a love relationship, and a lot of times they might be battered and being angry and, and shocked in the, uh, at one night, and then maybe the next day, I don't want to press charges. Being a prosecutor requires a significant amount of passion for humankind. You know, to just go in and see a case as black and white would be an absolute shame and tragedy tragedy for the office and for our community. You need to understand where people are coming from as best as you can, and that truly only comes with experience and with the help of our victim advocates. But as a prosecutor we're able to make those decisions. Are we going to charge a case? Are we not going to charge a case? If somebody comes and says, I want this dismissed, do we just do that? Or do we have to focus on the community at large and advocate for people who perhaps can't advocate for themselves or aren't comfortable or safe to advocate for themselves? It's it's a very complex situation to try to get truly a team to work together to try to make the best result possible because our ultimate goal is justice. That's what we're trying to seek is justice. 616-395-1450. Let's get to the phones. Good morning. You're on the line with the assistant prosecutor. Morning. I was in an auto accident a couple months ago and the other driver pleaded guilty in front of the judge. Now he's got to go to like a restitution hearing with uh, sentencing. And if I, I, you know, I've told the court, the clerks, what kind of restitution I would like for my medical and my car repairs and stuff. How does that work? How does that money get to me if at all gets to me? Yeah. So uh, first of all, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Uh, One of the things that we do with our job is we try our best to make victims whole. And you were a victim of a crime. As a victim of crime, one of your rights is to receive restitution to attempt to make you at least financially whole for the crime that the defendant caused upon you and whether in your property. So when there's a restitution hearing, and again, I can't speak specifically to your case, but just in general terms, a restitution hearing is when the defendant is opposing the amount of restitution that's being sought from the prosecutor on behalf of the victim. So let's say, for instance, um, you're requesting damages of $1,000 and the defendant believes they should only have to pay $500. The defendant can request a restitution hearing. The prosecutor, too, can if if we believe that the judge isn't going to give that restitution amount we believe they're fair to. So either party can request a restitution hearing to try to make sure that the amount of restitution is correct. And then that would involve testimony and proofs to show what you were out of pocket as a direct result of the crime that was committed. Um, That restitution amount becomes part of the court order of sentence. So when a defendant is sentenced to probation, fines, costs, jail, et cetera, that restitution is added to that court order for restitution. 
The court can't, in a criminal case, garnish wages like you can in a civil case. So in a civil case, we can take money out of people's paychecks. There's other ways of doing that. But in a criminal case, there's not much a judge can do except for perhaps hold them in contempt, which could mean more fines, could mean jail, but they don't do that very often. So they are going to assess that amount that that person has to pay. And the first money they pay goes towards restitution, not courts, fines, and costs. So that's that's a good thing right there. But that money will go to the court. court will send it to you because, as you can imagine, we don't necessarily want the defendant and the victim having to communicate. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank Thanks you very so much for the call. 616-395-1450. Before we get back to what we were discussing, I want to follow up on that particular call. Uh, it is one thing to seek redress through the criminal system. But I would think, and again, I, I'll just ask you for an opinion, not uh, policy. I would think in a situation such as this, this might be a civil situation and where if you want to get full recovery, you might have to take the person to court civilly as well. That does happen, but that's not our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal as prosecutors is if someone's crime has affected your life financially um, to the point where we can, where it's tangible, we are going to seek that restitution for you. But the remedy to actually, so the, so the court can say, yep, you owe $1,000 in restitution, but what's that saying? You can't get blood from a turnip. Exactly. So not always are they able to actually make that come to fruition and get that money into our victim's hands. That's our goal. That's what we want to do. But if that doesn't happen, ultimately it can become a civil judgment. And then there are some more remedies that can be done in order to get that financial, you know, reimbursement. Another thing about criminal cases and restitution is that idea of pain and suffering, which is absolutely real. People have pain and suffering as a result of crimes that occur to them. There are lost wages. There's all kinds of different things that are involved. Some of that we can get back and we can seek in a criminal case, but pain and suffering, things along those lines, those are going to have to be part of a civil lawsuit. 616-395-1450. I have a question for Sarah Matrijek of the Ottawa County Sheriff's, uh, Ottawa County Prosecutor's Office, the Chief Assistant Prosecuting Attorney, 616-395-1450. We've been centering our discussion on victims and dealing with victims. I think one of the toughest things I would believe, especially when it comes to the prosecutor's case, is the victims want feel they want they they're a little vengeful. They call it justice. They are seeking justice. But sometimes it just seems as if all they want is vengeance. And that could be a disputable thing. But here's the thing. How tough was it to try to explain to a victim, we can seek this as a judgment against the accused, but what you want goes beyond what the law is. Sometimes you have to explain that the law fully can't meet what they feel is what is justice. Again, can you imagine being a victim and coming to a prosecutor who can't explain those things and that process to them? So we we pride ourselves on the experience that we have in our office to be able to have those conversations because they're delicate. I have to say that, um, again, with all my years of experience, I rarely see somebody that I would describe as vengeful, um, but certainly seeking justice 
is is a passion. Does that maybe <laughs> qualify a little bit? Very passionate about the justice that needs to be sought. And I'll be honest, it's it's a group of people. You have defense attorneys, you have the prosecutor, and you have the judge. And we're all not necessarily on the same page. So ultimately, sentences come to the judge. We can advocate and uh, try to get the result that we believe to be fair and just, but that's not necessarily what the end result's going to be. But one opportunity that victims have by right is they have the right to speak at sentencing. So they can either orally or send something written. They can read from something. Our advocates will stand right next to them while they're doing so at the time when the judge is about to make a decision on the ultimate sentence. And they can use that as a tool to help them get through the process. I've seen many times where people are too afraid to speak. They maybe aren't comfortable speaking. They don't want to face somebody who's done something so tremendously horrible to their lives. They never want to see that person again. But I have seen time and time again a significant amount of healing that goes through that process of being able to actually be in a courtroom with the the person who caused this trauma in their lives with a judge right there and say what they believe needs to be said in order to make sure that their lives and that what the judge does is the right one. Let's get to another call. Good morning. You're on the line with the assistant prosecutor. Uh, good morning. I have a question that relates to both victims and anyone involved in the court system. Um, now, if someone has to appear in court, uh, in circuit court, it's in Grand Haven, but however the uh, crime may have been committed in Holland. Um, there's a real lack of transportation. Is there any anything set up for that, for the victims to be transported from uh, if they don't, don't have the means to get there or or to the um, Fillmore place also? Yeah, that's an excellent question. To be honest, I have not had anybody ask me that before. What I can tell you is no, there's not some set-up transportation that can be a setup. However, one of the things that was positive out of COVID is the availability to uh, communicate with the court via Zoom. And so I can give you a couple options. One is if you are a victim of crime and you can't make it to a certain court hearing, you contact your victim advocate and we're going to do everything we can to help you with that transportation because that is your right to be there and we're going to do everything we can to facilitate that right. Our law enforcement is always great as well, but sometimes people don't really want to sit in a police car either. So we can work through that and we can figure out what we can do to make sure that you can do what you need to do in order to fulfill your rights as a victim. But we can arrange at a minimum an opportunity for you to appear in the courtroom live via Zoom so that you can see the courtroom, you can see your accuser, you can see the judge, and you can make your statement. Okay, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you very much for the call. One of the things that has really evolved uh, since we basically have been at the, our jobs for about the same time, same length of time, um, that has evolved over the 22-plus years for me, has been the development of victims' rights and victims' advocates uh, on a state level. The late Bill Van Regenmorter was a champion for that uh, during his uh, time in the legislature, and had, I've had long chats with him about that. It was a passion because, frankly, they were sort of, hate to say it, the forgotten part of the, the picture. 
They were so concerned about the crime, so concerned about the the, the, the defendant, uh, get the justice, you know, throw them in jail, throw the book at them, toss away the key. But they forgot about the victim, or shall we say ignored the victim. I think that's been a positive step. Oh, 100%. Victims' rights barely existed prior to Bill doing what he did to pay the way for our blatantly, our, our victim advocate program. That would not exist or would barely exist, and certainly not to the extent that it does doing the work that they do without what he's done in his work. And I even recently, last week, worked with a victim advocate to try to ensure a victim was allowed to be in a courtroom during a motion hearing on a case where they were a victim. And we've been working, she's been doing a great job contacting the bigger picture of victim advocates in the state of Michigan so that we can work harder to make sure that those rights are allowed from here on out. So there's a team, we care. The system is doing its best to try to make sure that victims have their rights and that they're heard. Because to be honestly, I to be honest, I like to think that we're doing what they want us to do and we're doing it in the manner in which they want us to. But as I've said before here, we do not have clients. We are not here to represent a particular individual, including the victim. However, 100% the victim's concerns and care are at the forefront of our decision-making. Representing, no. Supporting. Absolutely. Yes. Let's round this off as we are almost done with this segment, Sarah Matwajek, uh, about the fact that what does a, a general crime victim, what do they need to know? What rights do they have in terms of the presentation of a case? Where can they, what can they do? And what can, where can they step into the process? If, Every, if you if yes, you, I, I will sum it up with one word, knowledge. Mm -hmm. They should absolutely have the right to know everything that's going on in their case. And that is what we work hard to make sure they do. And then knowing what their rights are and being able to do what they can do to be able to facilitate and make sure that those rights are uh, given attention and taken care of. In that regard, then, every step of the process, be it in the arraignment, in the uh, 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 preliminary hearing, the trial itself, and then even the sentencing, and then post-sentencing, yes. especially if it's a case of, the perpetrator is already in prison, but they're up for parole. The victim has a right to know about that as well? Absolutely. And our victim advocates can help with that. All right. Just following through on the entire process. We actually have uh, letters that we send out immediately to victims of crime that allow them to participate as much and little as they want to. But we do mailers. We mail them when court dates are coming up. We let them know, and they are assigned a victim advocate given their number, given their email, so they can contact that victim advocate of questions. Sarah Matwajek, the assistant county, uh, county assistant prosecutor. I'll, I'll get the right phrase because I want to give her the right title here. You know, Chief Assistant Prosecuting Attorney, Sarah Matwajek, thank you very much for joining us today on WHTC's Talk of the Town. Uh, I know I've, I've tried to flatter her a lot of times by saying she graces us with our presence, but uh, she's a very nice lady. And we're glad you're joining us today. Always a pleasure, Gary. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. On 99.7 and 1450 WHTC, CBS News, straight ahead, followed by WHTC News. And we'll have Brian Spencer in the next half hour with what's new around Holland. Then we join at the bottom of the hour by the beekeepers, Don Lamb 
and Jack Hartman.